You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Hello, Life Tree. Uh, it's Pastor Dan here. I just want to set up what's what you're about to hear this morning. This past week, I had an opportunity to sit down with Pastor Carmichael, Khalil Carmichael, from the uh, Live Well Church right here in Windsor, New Jersey. And uh, Pastor Carmichael is a, a good friend and gotten to know each other as he's been here about a year now in Robbinsville and just gotten to know each other and their family and just wonderful people. And uh, as we just are facing uh, some serious divide and tension in our country regarding uh, racial uh, injustice and things going on, I felt it'd be important for us to sit down and just talk. And this was his idea. He opened it up and I thought it was just a phenomenal idea. So what we did is we took uh, a passage of scripture and the two of us just sort of began to explore what that looks like right now, 2020, in New Jersey, how do we live out as a person of faith? How do we live out the scriptures, particularly when it comes to social issues like, like justice and, and racism and those things? How do we, how do we respond in a way? What, we, what is God asking of us? And so I just want to frame what you're going to hear. It was not scripted at all what you're going to hear today. We didn't plan in advance. We just talked and it'll reflect that. Um, and I want to encourage you, if you've got uh, questions or comments, I, I hope this encourages some more dialogue. And we're going to continue to talk about these things, because as the church, I feel like it's on us to lead the way to say, how, how should we be responding? What's, the, what's, a godly, what's a loving, godly response at a time like this? And we need to stand up. We need to be the church. We can't shrink back. It might be uncomfortable, but I think that, that's no reason to not have the conversation. And so there might be some things that make you uncomfortable today that you hear, and, uh, and that's okay. Um, let's just take those things again, present them to Jesus and say, God, help me search my heart. And so I just want to pray before we open up. Would you, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask you just to speak to us as we hear this. Would you help us to receive what it is that you're going to say and help us to hear your heart for people everywhere to let us, to let us have the same heart that you have. God, we love you. We're yours. We present ourselves to you. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. So without any further ado, here's our conversation. So why don't you do this? Uh, why don't you start us and open us up with the scripture that we're going to come from today? We're going to come from Micah and uh, chapter six, I believe. And you take it from wherever you want to read it from and whatever sure. you want to do. Well, first of all, um, this text is something that it's just been uh, resonating in my heart. And uh, I, we hear it repeated over and over again as we listen to things in the world. And I think there's there's something to the timeliness of God's word. Right. It says apples of gold and settings of silver is a word rightly spoken. And there's something about a word spoken at the right time that cuts through all the noise exactly to our hearts. And I believe this is something God is speaking loudly to us. And uh, Micah is a prophet. I know you're going to talk about that in a minute. So he's speaking for God to God's people. So it's to us. It's the voice of God to us. People that had wandered, had forgotten who God was. And God, this is the voice of the Father calling his children back to him. So let's listen as we read this to the voice of, think of the prodigal son, of a people who had wandered. And the voice of God through the prophet calling his people back. And it says, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. But what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love mercy, 
to walk humbly with you, God. Mm. And so you could read that verse over and over and over and over again. And it it just speaks. My wife and I, a couple of years ago, had an opportunity to go to the uh, Grand Canyon. It was pretty cool. And uh, they got a little, uh, got a tour from a tour guide there. He's a little bit of a hippie. And uh, was telling us about this Grand Canyon. He said, you know, every time I come out here, it looks different. The sun reflects differently, and I feel like I'm looking at it for the first time. I think the Word of God is living. Every time we come at it, it reads us. And I've never seen things, like, it just never gets old. It speaks. There's just something in there. So I don't know if you want to yeah, go you, from there. I mean, yeah, you know, um, when we were talking about this, and this is not scripted, we just said we're going to flow. <laughs> and uh, we, we, you know, you, you suggested this text, and I, I did my work and looked at it, because I don't look at Micah often. <laughs> and, um, and I Except saw, when it's maybe like the tithing part. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I don't, I don't, you know, really flow with Micah um, in that way. But I looked at it, and it is a word that is uh, chirotic. It's a kairos word. It means it's a word for this moment, this set appointed time. And and what I saw from that word is just, um, it's just this call to God's people. And and one way I want to start that off. Today, this morning, now we're sitting here as God's people, but we have two unique perspectives. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when we hear that word of God calling us, you said God is speaking to us. Mm -hmm. This word is speaking to us. Now, I understand from, uh, you know, just my training that based on hermeneutics, I have a different understanding or interpretation of that word. Mm -hmm. What do you feel that God is calling us back to share your perspective? Sure. And then I'll share my perspective. Okay. Well, I think it's... Oh, I'm sorry. When I say perspective, I mean your white perspective. Yeah, I understand fully. I understand fully. Um, and uh, I think that's... Uh, you know, when I when I think about this, I the first thing that stands out to me about this scripture, and we talked about this, is it starts out with, you know, it says, The Lord has told you. Oh, man, what is good? Mm-hmm. This is not news. Right. This, <laughs> he told you. He's telling us. Okay, Micah is written about 700 B.C. So we're about 3,000 years deep into this. Right. And at that time, he was saying it's old news. And you just haven't listened. He's well, shown you. Well, you know, he, he, he talked about it from Deuteronomy. He, he shared it right in Deuteronomy 10. This is what's good. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all of your heart and soul. This is what's good. To do right, to do justly, to, to love. Mm-hmm. That's what's good. So the first thing that stands out to me right away is that this is not a new message. Right. It's a message that's been in existence since time began. Right. Stubborn and rebellious people just don't want to listen. And there's something in this message that the sin nature in us resists. There's something about justice that we resist because of sin. There's something about mercy that we resist. There's something about humility that we resist. That's in us and has been in us for a long time. And and I just hear, uh, you know, that he has shown you, oh, and that phrase, oh, man, like there's, you know, we could, we're Jersey, right? We could, we could talk about, you know, oh, man sounds a lot of different ways. You can be like, oh, man. 
you'd be like, oh, man. Oh, man. And I hear pain in that voice of the prophet. I hear grief in the pain of God saying, I've shown you what's good. And you don't want to listen. You don't want to. And so from a perspective, right, from my perspective, there's a lot of things that people just don't want to hear. Because it's uncomfortable. Right. Because it, there's some, and, and it's, it's a sin nature in us to not want to hear that. Right. We choose not to hear that. Right. God has made abundantly clear. And you know what? It's not convenient to hear it. So I don't want to hear it. So right off the bat, that's the first thing I noticed right there. I think that's a perspective that I think we need to check at the door. Right. I I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think I think so. You guys can applaud if you want to applaud. <laughs> and all that good stuff. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank son. you. So 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 yeah. So for from from my what I hear because we have to understand and we have to be honest that each community is going to hear a different thing when this word is preached. Mm-hmm. Each person based on their social location, the socioeconomic background. I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Newark. Where are you from? I'm just all over Jersey. Just all a Jersey, Jersey boy. So yeah. you're, going to, you're going to have a different perspective. Somebody from Detroit, somebody mm-hmm. from Edison, somebody from North Carolina. But what I hear and what I hear immediately based on, on my perspective is that yeah, I've I've shown you what's good, and I've told you I've told you what's good. You know, um, love justice, mm-hmm. love justly. And so for me, when I hear that word justice, it reminds me to always understand and know that God is a God of justice. Mm-hmm. So so when people say things like, um, "Why can't you just take what you're given?" Why are you so in an uproar about this? Um, why are you still talking about slavery? Why are you still talking about post-traumatic slave syndrome? And the, and why are you why are you making yourself so different than everyone else? Mm-hmm. I understand that God is a God of justice, mm-hmm. and and he's, he doesn't want me to have get revenge. Or to be revengeful, or to be bitter, more importantly. But knowing that God is a God of justice is knowing that, in the words of that old Negro spiritual, we shall overcome. Mm-hmm. That one day, somehow, because this just God wants us to act justly, we're all going to overcome. Mm-hmm. We're all going to overcome this thing. Mm-hmm. We're all going to overcome this. We're, I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, we're all going to overcome it. And I think we're in the beginning, the birth pangs of talking and listening and overcoming our history. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about justice, um, there's a, a, so much in there. All right. The first judgment day. Judgment Day. A lot of people are terrified about Judgment Day. Right. I cannot wait for Judgment Day. Right. Right. You know why? Right? Because here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm telling you. On Judgment Day, all wrongs get made right. All of them. 
All of them. I mean, that's, that's the kind of promise we have. Right. That we can have confidence and hope that someday, all those things that people think nobody know, nobody saw. Right. All those things we think nobody ever dealt with that are getting swept under. Hey, we got a God whose eye right. sees every single injustice. And on Judgment Day, right. oh, that's going to be a good day. Right. That's going to be a really, really good day. Right. The flip side of that is that what do we do in the waiting? Because, 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 hey, that's a good day. Right. That's great. But what about now? Right. What about now? And I think that's where, so that's how it ends. Well, let's go how it starts, right? Talk about Cain and Abel. Everybody, you know, talk about. In the beginning, that first sin, right? That, you know, right? Cain slaying his brother. And he says, my brother's keeper, all that stuff. And God says, his blood cries out to me from the blood ground. Is not, this is injustice right. not dealt with. Right. In that moment, it's injustice not right. dealt with. That Those cries are ever right. before the Father's eyes. Right? He's, he's hearing that constantly. And I feel like, what, again, what we've done is we just say, I don't want to hear it. And we just turn it off because we just don't want to hear the pain. We don't want to deal with that. Right. And so we just let those things, very easy, to say, you know, well, that's in the past. Right. And just like Cain, right. we just want to say, well, you know, it's not my problem. Not my problem. I'm not my brother's keeper, right? Like, you blame. Or blame somebody then, else. That was then. This is now. All that, that blood stuff. continues to cry mm-hmm. out. And I think one thing that we don't understand as Americans is that all of that blood that has been spilled is crying out. And even if we ignore it, it's going, it's, God, it's, God is not ignoring that. It's here, God is hearing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and so that 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 lets us know that these wrongs will be corrected, not just in the day of judgment, but now. And that takes me to mercy. Mm -hmm. That takes me to mercy, because from my perspective, if we know that that blood is crying out and God is a just God. What are we to do? What 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 is the black community to do? What what are we what are we to do with that? And I think I think now as we move forward and all of these things are being exposed and coming to light, I think uh, we're going to have to utilize our Christian faith and show great mercy. The same the same mercy that God gave us. Mm -hmm. And although it can be difficult at times, although we want to express our anger, that's anger is an emotion. And, and and it's an emotion that should be expressed. The Bible says, "Be angry, but do not sin." So it's okay to be anger. Oh, never let anyone uh, make you feel bad for expressing anger. It's okay. It's okay. The problem is when it goes into something else. <clears throat> and so, what do we do now that we know that God is hears the blood that's crying out? He's going to show justice. He's going to bring. He's going to bring justice, we have to have mercy. Yeah, so here's, here's my problem with the whole thing. Justice and mercy seem very incompatible. Right. Justice is you getting what you deserve. Right. And mercy is you not getting what you deserve. Right. And we're supposed to be committed to both. Committed to both. And so <coughs> it's a really interesting dynamic there because... All right, you want to do real talk or how real we want to get I here? I want to go all the okay, way in. Okay, so we want to get real here. Because we need healing. 
So, what I think a lot of white folks want is mercy. Mm. They want to be forgiven. Right. But the problem is mercy without justice. Mm -hmm. We said that that's oppressive. Mm. It's it's unfair. It's it's unjust, right. right? So it's it's enabling, right? It's abusive. Right. It's all of those things. Okay, that's what mercy without, but justice without mercy, mm-hmm. it's death. Death, right. right? That's what it is. We just we just we just deserve death. Right. All right. So they're intimately tied, and God says. The only way this works is when one leads to the other. The only way it works for Cain is when you admit and acknowledge injustice. Then mercy can enter the picture. But until you own, what's the same thing with salvation? What's he say? What's salvation? We just have to recognize we're sinful. And then mercy comes. But as long as we're stubborn and saying, no, I didn't do anything, then there's no room for mercy to enter the picture. There's no room. Right. I have something in my throat. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, this is just allergies, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I want you to know that. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. It's all good. Well, so, so that that whole thought of mercy and justice. Yeah, I, I, I can see. You know, we're angry, and just because we're angry. And we're shouting out and crying out for justice. Doesn't mean that we're not going to express mercy as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that if our Caucasian brothers and sisters in America and everyone else who is non-African can hear that and say, you know, <coughs> excuse me, wow, and can say, you know, we're going to allow you. To express your anger. When I say allow, I don't mean give permission. I mean sit with you mm-hmm. and take it. Take the hard conversation. Hear your story. Mm-hmm. Listen when you talk about the injustices that have been done and the systemic racism without being defensive, mm-hmm. without uh, deflecting. And without being afraid, mm-hmm. I just want to hear that, you. That's a big piece, though. That fear piece. Fear piece. I think that Talk fear piece that. is Talk big because that. I think a lot of people, right, feel like they're afraid of being blamed. Right. And they're like, "Well, I didn't do anything." Right. Well, right, and we Which understand. Right, Let's be honest. Sure, sure, not not. Did you do anything to me? Right. I didn't. I didn't do anything in my own decision. No, it, it wasn't. It, nothing intentional. Nothing willful. Because if you did, right. I want you to leave a big check Listen, before you get uh, out of here. I'll leave the jacket. I don't think it'll fit, but I'll leave it. Whatever I got. If you, if you, if it's a seven dollar watch at Walmart, you can have it if did, you'd did like. You, did you do any? Did you? I'm, listen, we're so all sinful. I'm sure I've done lots of things I need to repent for. I understand yeah. that, but what I'm saying is, if I'm talking about the trauma of slavery, sure. Why would you feel that you did something? Mm-hmm. If I'm talking about the fact that uh, I can't go out mm-hmm. in my hometown of Monroe Township yep. without grabbing, my, I can't go out for a jog. Even before mod, I can't go out for a jog without grabbing my license, mm-hmm. 
and making sure that I wear a non-threatening Yeah, that you have to outfit. think about it at all. I got to think about it at all. And I want to share that with you because you're mm-hmm. my friend. Sure. I want you to hear me mm-hmm. because you're my friend. Sure. I don't want you to feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not blaming you. I just want you to to know that this is my experience. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm experiencing. And maybe as my friend, we can come up with some solutions together mm-hmm. to try to fix this system. Because I need you, friend, to help fix this system because they're not listening to me. Mm-hmm. They're not listening to our community. The only thing that people seem to, to hear is the rioting and the violence, which sure. I don't condone. And I don't support, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. But why do we have to go there? Let's be friends. Let's mm-hmm. be community. And I think this whole mercy piece has to start with the church because the church is probably one of the, you know, uh, most segregated. They said, what do they say? Church. Sunday Se- is the most, most segregated, segregated day of the week. Yeah. yeah, and I can understand why culture, and I get it, mm-hmm. but. Maybe we need to start at the church. This, you know, I think it can trust. only start at the church. I think it can only. Go ahead. Tell me about that. Well, here's a reason. So we're not done with the verse yet. Mm-hmm. Do justice, love mercy, incompatible. Only way it works is if you walk humbly right. with your God. Oh, my God. Because it's impossible to do in my own strength because I'm afraid right. of being guilty. Because everything you say, I take as an. I filter it through me. Right. I filter it through what did I do? Only when you can come to this conversation through the filter and lens of Jesus, through the filter and lens of I've owed, I've been wrong. I acknowledged my sin. And in, see, people are so afraid to acknowledge sin because we're in a condemning culture, Right. right? We're in a judgmental culture that wants to just pronounce on you, right? That this is what you're going to get. Right. But we know different because we know that when you come with sin and acknowledge it, you find forgiveness. Right. So that it, so that, that acknowledgement is freeing. It's life-giving. Right. We know that that's the only way forward is to acknowledge it. When, when you don't have that perspective, you're constantly trying to hide right. because you're afraid of judgment. But what does the Bible say? If you confess your sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive you and cleanse you. Of all unrighteousness. And so I, I, I can see that. I can, I can understand that. But we have to, we have to get this message out mm-hmm. that. We should know, do a video. We, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm, waiting just to, I'm waiting just to hear. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting just to hear that. Hey. What we said at the. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear you. I, yeah, well, that, that's it. And, you know, there's. We've talked about this, too. There's no way that I'll ever understand fully your story. I cannot empathize with you. I can't say I know what you're going through because I've not lived 40 years in your shoes. I can't. I will never catch up. I could never do that. But. And we're not asking you to. I can have compassion. Right. I can be. I can care. Right. And I can have. I can care so deeply that I'm moved to action. Right. But I can never say I know. Right. I can say I hear. I hear. I can say I care, Mm -hmm. but I cannot promise that I know. Right. Because I will never know. And that's okay. And that is okay. Because I think that if we can just come together and hear those, especially especially those who are in church, Mm -hmm. you know, other Christians say, I hear you. 
I don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. I don't fully understand. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I don't get. It. I don't know. I don't know why people are. I don't get it. But but I hear you. You know. Can I just take a minute before while you're yeah. right there just to talk to some white people for a minute? Yeah. Okay. So there's multiple conversations going on right now. Okay. The first one is that racism is bad. That racism, racism is, is bad. bad. Mm-hmm. Most people agree on that one, mm-hmm. right? If you disagree on that one, you're, you're, you know, everybody knows that you're an idiot, right? right? Okay, we're all, we're all okay on that right. one. Can I say that in church? I'm right. sorry. Right. You can say that. The second conversation, and there are many conversations, but I think this is part of the conflict that we're having. There's so many conversations. The second conversation I find people are having is that systemic racism exists. That's different than racism is bad. Right. That there's systemic racism. So you're saying, you're saying to be able to acknowledge that systemic racism exists. Even exists. Right. Oh, there are plenty of people that are struggling right now to grasp their to grasp that. Why? Why? Because they don't want to see it. They don't want to hear it. They go. We can go back to all those things because it's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable, and they're afraid of getting blamed. Right. They go back to that fear thing. It's it's. Listen, the root of all evil is fear. Right. Fierce faith in the enemy mm-hmm. is that he's going to come through. It's going to hurt. It's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Right. We know that when you bring things into the light. Right. Right. That's how we that's how truth right. perseveres. Right. right. That's absolutely right. the best thing to do. But things grow in the dark. Right. Right. And so fear grows in the dark. Say that. Yes. OK. Yes. I'm just so yes. that's yes. so that's people. So there are people that would say there's no systemic racism. I hear right. it. We hear it, you know, in in our town. I can't believe that. It's hard to believe. But. Listen, I mean, there are people that root for the Mets. You know, there's a lot of things I can't understand. Like there's people that don't. (laughs) I'm sorry. Right. There's things I don't understand. But there are people that there are people that don't want to hear it. But that's a separate conversation than racism is bad, that there's systemic racism. And I think people are doing a phenomenal job Mm -hmm. of educating our world and revealing this, exposing it. Right. And if you want to find it, listen, it's there. You can see it. You can identify it. You can recognize it. And it's it's. Like, I think that's the benefit of these uh, the videos that we're finding about police mm-hmm. brutality. Like, that's exposing it in one realm. Right. right? It's in academia. Right? right. It's in ec- it's an economy. Right? right. It's in it's in so many different arenas of our world, right. but it's being exposed in these different ones. So that's a second conversation. A third conversation is that you may not be racist, but you may have bias. Right. That's a di- like just that we all have bias. Like, right. it's just not that I want to. But that I see somebody and I, I have an instinct, a reaction. I'll, I'll take it a little deeper. Implicit bias. Mm-hmm. And can you explain for somebody who doesn't know what where, that means? Where it's just a matter of it's automatic. It's just because you're white. Sometimes, sometimes it's just because you're black. It's just because you were raised in a certain area. It's just because mm-hmm. you, were, you went to a certain type of school. You know, sometimes when... When, uh, when I'm talking to other people and counseling them, my, my black brothers and sisters, and they say, this person did that, and this person is like this, and this person is like that. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're just white. <laughs> they're just white. They've just never been in a black situation. Mm-hmm. They've never had to connect with a black person. You may be the first black person they really know. They're just, it's just a white man. It's just a white woman. And, and even saying that, people are like, ooh, don't say that. They're white. Mm-hmm. It's just a white man and it's a white woman. Mm-hmm. And they have implicit bias, things that are put in them just 
because of where they were raised and how they were raised and the people that they interacted with, and they're not even aware of these biases. Yep. And again, that's, the, that's another conversation. So that's why you have conversations going on where people say there's systemic racism here, and they go, I'm not a racist. Right. Different arguments, different conversations, and, and it's right, like, right. Like, come, like, no, no, we need to clarify. What are we talking about we here? Talking about? Because people get confused, and so they're arguing apples and oranges. Right, and, right. and listen, honestly, at the end of the day, we should be on the same page. Right. We should absolutely be on the same page about this. So I feel like that's part of the problem is all these multiple conversations without clarity, right. and people are afraid to talk about it. Right. They're afraid to go there. They're afraid because they don't know how to talk about those things. And we just got to say, hey, let's peel it back for a minute. Right. right. Let's just talk about all of these different things. Okay, now then we can begin to filter that through the lens of, of Jesus. Right. right. We can say, okay, this is why if, if this exists, if it exists, if it exists, if it exists right. let's just start there, if it exists. What would Jesus do in that situation? How would he how would he compel you to act in that situation, knowing that if God says do justice, love mercy, right? That means he is just and he is merciful, which means he wants you to be just. I mean, actually, he told you to be just. He's been telling you for 3000 years to do it. Right. Do justice, love mercy. And you do that by walking humbly with him. Right. That's what that's what the message that needs to get out. I think that's what complicates it is people hear all these other things and they jumble them up in their heads. And you've got to say, this is what we're talking about. Right. I, I want to thank you. Thank you. That's that's good. Mm-hmm. If I want to give an example of uh, implicit bias, just so people can understand further. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with uh, a group of Caucasians. And they say, let's start a basketball game. And everybody wants to choose me. They want me on their team. I haven't seen you dribble yet. So and not, not only am I going to be on their team, <laughs> I'm going to be their center. <laughs> even though I'm 5'11". That's implicit bias. Mm-hmm. That this black person can't play. And it seems so simplistic. It seems so innocent. But it can be damaging to a black person. Mm-hmm. I, I have a six foot four son who is constantly being humiliated and talked about because he's not a basketball superstar in an all white school, mm-hmm. a predominantly white school. And I, I have to tell him all the time that's not your gifting. If you enjoy playing basketball, it's a great thing, but you're much bigger than basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And although those things are innocent, it's still implicit bias. And it, and it can and it's something that we have to acknowledge. It's something that we have to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that Christ is a way of, but we have to know Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh the apostle Paul says you have not learned Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think many within the church, not just the white church or the black church or whatever that whatever you want to call that. I think it's just us collectively, we are all learning about Christ again. Because mm-hmm. to know that this was a scripture in Micah, and this was a, Mike, this was a prophetic, prophetic word from Micah, to know that Christ read and studied Micah. Mm-hmm. He, he, from Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. He, he read and studied. Mm-hmm. And so he had an understanding of justice. Mm-hmm. When people say keep politics and that out of church, no, bring it on in because that's Christ. Mm-hmm. 
When, when people say, don't talk about race, I don't see color. Keep that out of church. No, that's Christ saw color. Mm-hmm. Christ understood color and culture. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have an understanding of Christ and what it means to be Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think that will help bring down those walls. Mm-hmm. And when, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you look at justice in Scripture. It's probably the most comprehensive view of justice on the planet. Wow. There's nobody more just than God. There's not, nobody who's more of a crusader for justice than God. Well, God is not God. fair, right. but he's just. He's, absol- he's the epitome of just. Right. He def- look it up in the dictionary. It's a picture of him. Right? Like that's, right. It's God there. Right. And it's really interesting. I was listening to uh, Tim Keller talk of, and uh, Brian Stevenson, a, a pr- tremendous – Brian Stevenson, I know. Yeah, tremendous uh, – uh, video. I'm gonna post it later, but um, they were talking about justice mm-hmm. and how the scripture says, you know, justice is equal treatment for all. Mm-hmm. That's what the scriptures say, equal treatment for all. But it's not just that. Mm-hmm. He goes farther and he says, and it's also preferential treatment for the oppressed. Mm-hmm. You you look you look over and over in scripture. What well, say that again? <laughs> preferential treatment for the oppressed. What does Jesus say over and over again? Defend the orphan. Right, right. The widow, right. The over, the outcast. He he never tells anybody to defend the rich. Right. He doesn't ever do that. Every time God seems to favor, throughout Proverbs, you read it over Old Testament, New Testament. You can do a study. The bias of heaven is towards the one. Is towards the the overlooked. Mm. Is towards the one that's vulnerable. Mm. That's the one that the heart of God is for. Right. And so when you, when we as people do justice, okay, when we ensure justice for those who aren't receiving it, that's when we're most like Christ. I believe that. That's what, and that's not just um, something that we do because it's a nice, good thing to do. Right. That's something that we are compelled to do. Right. That's something that our faith dictates we do. And if it's not happening, right. then we're not truly living out faith. We're actually being resistant to the work that God wants to do in us, right? Over and over, it says, don't accept bribes. Don't, right? And again, why, why don't we accept bribes? Because poor people can't pay them. Right. Mm. Preferential treatment for, right. for the rich. Wow. Right? For those in power. It just, over and over again, justice is, yes, for equal treatment for all, but you ensure it. It's the responsibility, the calling. Right. Of the follower of Christ to ensure justice for right. those who are marginalized, right? Who are oppressed? Who are oppressed? Who are who are vulnerable? Right. So, Pastor, let's 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 put this out there, because this is something. This is one of my pet peeves. I don't like it. I can't take it. Going to these oppressed lands, mm-hmm. like Norway and Denmark, and all these other places. <laughs> Going to these these oppressed places, right? And going there to do justice or to do good, but it's just an act. It's just a box that you check off. Mm-hmm. How do we move from that to really being compassionate and having empathy for those whom are the oppressed? Mm-hmm. How, how, how do we... How how do how do how does someone in Robbinsville have empathy and compassion for someone living in an urban area 
can name the urban city, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But yet and still, they are an RN. They have a, um, a Toyota in front of their house. And they have what seems to be a good family. Mm-hmm. But yet, that person is oppressed. Mm-hmm. So how do we have compassion for those here right. in our own home? In our own home. So my answer to that is going to be and, not either or. I think it's and. I think God is an and God. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to, for me, the great uh, commission. Mm-hmm. Go into all the world, make disciples. Mm-hmm. Our, our calling mm-hmm. is to go into all the world. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having enough trouble with Robbinsville. Right. I can't. I can't even get to Hamilton, Ewing, Trenton. All these. I. I can't even get it. So, but, but it's, right. but it's, but it's my responsibility right. to ensure that that message goes out. Right. So, that's why we need the body. Mm-hmm. That's why this is the body dynamic of of the church is so important, right? Right. right. Because you're doing something and I'm doing something and we're not little little kingdoms. Right. We're one body, one, body. one church, right. right, where Christ is the head. Yes. And so what's happening around the world is all our work. Right. So we are co-laborers right. with those people all over the world to bring compassion. So I want to make sure I'm understanding the question. I, I right. want to make, yeah, you're, you're right on it. Okay. But I just want to see how we can shift the thinking of someone saying, I'm going to help those oppressed people. Right. It's not either or. Right. Because I'll tell you right now. So right. I'm living this out right now. Okay. Because for this month of June, we had identified probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago, um, before anything happened with George Floyd, right before that happened, we had identified that this month of June, we were going to call it a month of mercy in our church. And uh, we partner with an organization. We we sponsor a lot of missionaries. Right. We do a lot of work. And here, we sp- like like a lot. We give a lot of money away to like Meals on Wheels and the food pantries and things here, Mercy Street Friends. But we also do missionaries. We support missions, so we do them both. Right. And we were gonna. So one of our missionaries is in is in uh, India. Robinson was a largely Indian community. I think you talked to me about right. that. And it's, I, got, I got to go a year and a half ago. I got to see Calcutta. I got to see what's going on there. They feed about 10,000 people a day. They educate 30,000 students. Free education. It's amazing for these kids that are picking garbage. They give them dignity and, and they give them an education and they help them escape poverty. It's, right. it's a phenomenal thing. Wow. It, it is. It's really extraordinary. Right. And they run a hospital. So they feed, educate, medically assist. That's what they do. And so we were going to call this a month of mercy. And we were going to raise money this month for, for India. But then all this happened. Right. And it, it re-exposed and reopened the wound. And it just let us know that we need to be, we need to be doing more here as well. Right. And so people have said, should we not do the India thing? Should we just focus on what's going on right, right here and now? Right. And I think the answer is and. Because God cares just as much for the oppressed in India as he cares for the oppressed in Robbinsville. Absolutely. And he has enough. Right. And God has enough people and he's got enough resources and he's got enough that we can do whatever he puts on our heart to do. Whatever he puts on our heart to now, do. Now, I can't do everything. Right. But I have to walk humbly with my God right. and say, God, what are you asking me to do? Right. 
not what is everything I, because you could just try and, you could get overwhelmed. overwhelmed. You could get easily overwhelmed with the problem, right? Like, you look at, if we just, listen, if all we ever did for the rest of our days was try to end, right, systemic racism, you think we'd do it in a lifetime? Was right. We all just focused on. If we all like, like we maybe, maybe, but yeah. but that's one problem. Mm-hmm. How many problems in the world? Right. right? You got many. slave. You know. You know. Many. Human trafficking. Many. You got. Many. You know. Po- poverty around the world. All, all all sorts of issues. Jesus said, "The poor you'll have with always. you always, always, always." So you can't do it all. Right. But that's not my responsibility. That's not my weight to carry. Right. What is God asking me to do? And I feel like God's put those things on my heart, and I'm going to do those. And that's me in humility just saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work. But I'm going to be faithful to walk with you and let you lead and tell me where am I supposed to get involved. And I will do that. So I think it's, it's, you can do both. Um, and it all comes back to a heart of compassion. Right? I need to love people. And if I love people, I will be moved to action on behalf of them. And listen, we serve a big God. Right? We're small churches. We're small churches. Listen, you're ahead of me. You own a, You got a building. I don't even. We don't even got a building. You we, don't need a building. We got no building. We don't need one right now. We got no building. But like, it doesn't matter how small of a church we are. If God tells you to do something, you do it. You could change the world. I believe that. You could change. You could change history. We can change lives right now. Every right. day you we do. Change you change eternity. Right. Right. Every single day. Right. Every single day. So that's, I don't know if that answers it, the question. It, it does, but what I want, it does, and that's beautiful. And you can, I, yeah. I believe that, but what I want, what I want, what I want us to understand is that, and what I want your community to understand, which is my community, mm-hmm. is that don't always look for the oppressed to look like the oppressed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, because when I see you, with your heart for the children over there in another place, but yet you don't have that compassion, and I don't yeah. mean you. Sure. Well, you don't have that compassion when I'm telling you that my I'm 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 afraid for my son to go jogging in my yeah. suburban neighborhood. Yeah. And when you shut down that conversation and you don't hear me. I can't see your Christian works and I can't receive your Christian love Mm -hmm. and I don't want to worship with you. Right. And I think that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And so these type of conversations are giving us the ability to understand not just, not just one way, but Mm -hmm. for me also to do justice with you. Mm-hmm. mercy with you mm-hmm. and to walk humbly mm-hmm. because that walking humbly is not just walking. And I think the church has been doing this quite a bit, walking in false humility, uh, a posture of piety. Mm-hmm. When that walking humbly just simply means walking as God walks, mm-hmm. walking. If God is a God of, he cares for the He's oppressed. Mm-hmm. Walk humbly as God walks. Mm-hmm. Humbly. How humble is God? Snap his finger and we would all have to worship. Mm-hmm. Could call us all and make us all bow down at any given time. Humble. And we're told he humbled himself. Humbled himself. And came down to earth. Took on the form of us. 
I mean, you know what God looks like? You can't even describe him. You know, you take all the jewels in the world and put them together and shine them with brilliant light, and you've got this radiant, and it, like you still can't compare, you still can't describe right. it. Right. And that God, who is light, there's no there's no light in heaven because he is the light, right. the morning star. Right. Right? He took on the form of humanity and humbled himself and died on a cross, right. a, a criminal's death. Right? He is the humble king. Like, that's what he is. Right. And he took on that form for us, considering himself nothing. Mm. Right? He died for us. I think that's what humility says. I will consider others right. beyond, myself. beyond myself. And again, only, only can happen when we, we know what's been done for us. When we think about what's been done. Because if it has not been done for you, you're going to get yours. And you're going to take care of your own. Right. And you don't care about anybody else. Right. Because nobody's taken care of you. But once you recognize that everything has been done for me, right. then I can sacrifice for you because I know who's given everything for me. Right. Like, what, the, for the sake of time, I wanted to highlight a question that came up in our importation call last night. Uh, someone asked, how do we know that this is not just a moment? Um, how do we how do we move past and, and kind of keep the conversation going and continue where this is not just a moment and then we're on to the next topic. You know, someone made a great point um, with the, uh, the, what was it, in, in Florida, the Parkland shootings, the, school, the shootings, and the young activists that came out of that, right? Remember them, the young lady? Where where are they? Tell me their name. What are their names? We've forgotten them already. That moment has passed. How do we keep that from happening? I do not think I'm equipped to answer that question. Um, I think that is the question. Uh, so... I'm going to kind of punt on this and give it like a, a pastor answer, if that's okay, because I think that's the only way that I know how to answer that question in any with any sort of – I've no business answering that question because I, I don't know. It's that's Again, I addressed that, I think, at the Night of Unity, that that was our fear, right. our common fears at this right. moment, which is going to come and go, and the same story keeps getting repeated. And it comes back to what we were just sharing in the Scripture. Walk humbly. I was hoping you would go there. The only way that this doesn't fade is for us to stay dialed in to what God is saying to us. Right. And as soon as we go back to just listening to ourselves mm-hmm. and what's in our best interest, mm-hmm. we forget this. This Because this is just, right now, it's just popular. Mm-hmm. It's just in the news. Right? It's, it's, it's just a conversation we're having, so I'll have it, right, to avoid criticism. Mm. But once... If I stop listening to what God puts on my heart and come, like there are things God's going to put on our hearts to do that are going to be difficult and hard and sacrificial. And it's going to come to that same moment that these people faced, that we've been facing for generations, that this is the story of the church. God tells you to do something you don't want to do it and you wander. And when you wander, oppression hits the land. It's the same story. The only way to avoid that is for, in my mind, 
the true awakening to happen in our country for people to truly understand who God is and listen for what he puts on our heart to do and be responsive, to have a heart that is responsive and soft before the Lord. To say, God, whatever you put on my heart, I'm going to do. Because if I'm not there, heart goes hard again. And I just start doing what's, what's comfortable. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com. Thank you.